Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about Venus moving through the third decan of Capricorn. So this is the last 10 degrees of the sign Capricorn, and we are going to be talking about one particular aspect that it will be making, which is a conjunction with Pluto on January the 28th. We're going to talk a little bit about the Decan of Capricorn 3 in general, the tarot card, the Four of Pentacles, and the Sumerian myth of Ereshkigal and Inanna. So let's get to it. I'll share my screen here. Hope you're all doing well out there and are getting ready for a Leo full moon this week as well. But today we're going to be talking about Venus. So here we go. So Venus is going to be moving through the last 10 degrees of Capricorn from January the 24th, Sunday, January 24th, around 9.34 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it will finally ingress into Aquarius on February the 1st, which is a Monday. So we have about, oh, I don't know, <clears throat> seven or eight days of this position. Uh, so let's talk about uh, Venus's condition first, and then we'll get into some of the meanings behind Venus in this area of the zodiac. So the host of Venus right now is Saturn, and you can see that Saturn is in, I'll do one chart here, Saturn is in Aquarius, and Saturn, as Venus has moved into uh, the third decan of Capricorn, uh, has gone through a condition called the Kazemi moment with the sun. So this is something that's pretty interesting as Saturn is getting its own rebirth, trying to provide uh, some kind of significations for Venus. So what is uh, Saturn offering up like in terms of concrete things or nouns, if we want to think of it in that way, for Venus's um, verb, which we could consider like harmonizing or bringing together. So Saturn is, is offering up things like uh, limits, structures, death, endings, um, you know, the ability to, to rebalance something that has been out of whack. Uh, Saturn was associated with the quality of nemesis, which was responsible for restoring right proportion to the random distributions of 2K or chance. So we're getting this kind of new impulse from Saturn right now uh, in its rebirth with the sun um, for how we're going to be restructuring our lives. And I think this really fits really well with Venus's contact with Pluto this week as well. Okay, so Venus will be in aversion to her host Saturn, which means that she's not able to witness uh, by some kind of uh, Ptolemaic aspect. Now, there is some kind of mitigating factor uh, because she is in a sign that her her host, Saturn, also rules. This is a condition called like ingirding. So there is a, a secret line of communication between Saturn and Venus right now. Uh, Venus is in her own triplicity. Uh, she is the triplicity ruler of the Earth signs by day. She will be in her own terms from 14 to 22 degrees of Capricorn, and then moving into uh, the terms of the two malefic planets. So things get a little bit rougher for Venus when she moves into 22 degrees Capricorn. So from 22 to 26 degrees Capricorn, she'll be moving through the terms of Saturn. So a little bit of a tougher teacher than, than being her own curriculum setter. Uh, from 26 to 30 degrees, she'll be moving through the terms of Mars. 
So uh, we have a, maybe a day or two of Venus being able to have a little bit of her own power before she is um, taken to task by those two malefic planets. The face rulers for Capricorn 3 are the Sun and Mercury, the Sun in the descending Chaldean order and Mercury by the triplicity system. So this particular face of Capricorn was about administrating power. So we spent most of Capricorn 1 and 2 deciding where we were going to build and then uh, you know, crafting the ornate structures of our life. And now we have to uh, kind of you know, take on the responsibility for making sure everything runs smoothly. And Venus is going to be concerned with trying to uh, harmonize that process. So we are harmonizing the process of administration of power in this, in this uh, Deccan. Okay, the, the tarot card that we see in Capricorn 3 is the Four of Pentacles. And here we see a figure who is sitting on a throne. This is also the name that Austin Coppett gives this Deccan, the throne. Uh, Book T calls it earthly power, and the Book of Toth calls it just power. So we see a figure with four pentacles, his feet on two pentacles. He's holding one very tightly in his hands, and he's got one on top of his head. Um, and this, this card is really about uh, how we're going to deal with our resources, how we're going to, are we going to hang on to our material things, or are we going to let them flow through us? Um, this card is actually reminding me of some, uh, a funny thing that's been going around the last week or so, and this is the the Bernie Sanders memes with his um, with his mittens, <laughs> where he was sitting in a chair at the presidential inauguration with his legs crossed, and he looked, you know, kind of sullen and cold, and like he just didn't give uh, <laughs> didn't give an, an f about what was going on there. And uh, it, I think it echoes the, this uh, kind of imagery in the Four of Pentacles. And I thought this was a, a very um, really a nice representation of Venus in, in Capricorn, because wherever Venus is, we're going to glamorize something. And what is what are we glamorizing when we're, you know, exchanging Bernie Sanders memes? Well, we're, where we're glamorizing um, the elderly or an old man who is just kind of sitting there kind of stubbornly in his seat and, uh, you know, pretty sober, I would say. It looked like he was, a lot of the jokes are going around as he had a list where he was like, all right, I've got to go drop the mail off and sit here for this, you know, BS pageantry. And then I've got somewhere to go. I've got work to do. And that, that just seemed to be a perfect representation of Venus and Capricorn to me. Uh, kind of this, um, you know, really finding joy in this no nonsense um, character. So this is one thing we can think about as we move into the third decan of Capricorn, as we continue this energy, glamorizing power, glamorizing, um, you know, wisdom, glamorizing a sage or someone who may be uh, a little bit more elderly or going on in years, you know, glamorizing something that may last the test of time. Uh, we may be attracted or desire that kind of status or that kind of longevity. Um, that's something that could become much more attractive as we move forward through this these last degrees of Capricorn. Venus is also a planet that brings things to us. It, it it's it's um, you know, one of the stories of Venus is is that she emerged from the sea, 
Uh, and she was glowing with this phosphorescent essence, and she was adorned by all, with all of these accoutrements, right? All these like beautiful jewelry and clothing and things of that nature. Uh, and she didn't really have to do anything for it. She just was glowing with her inner essence. And so when we think about where Venus is in the, in the zodiac, we may think about what may come to us without a lot of uh, effort necessarily. So in, in Capricorn 3, we may be gifted positions of power. We may be gifted responsibility for administrating some portion of our life. And it may feel like a gift at first, but because this is Saturn's sign, we could also feel the weight of that responsibility as well. So I guess be careful what you take on in this uh, area of the Zodiac or during this period of time, this next eight days or so, because it could feel like a gift, but in the end, it may, may bring you a lot of work. It may bring you a lot of responsibility. Um, it may be something that is, is sobering uh, rather than joyful. So just, just something to be aware of uh, if you are feeling yourself uh, being attracted to those things as well. Okay, so the other thing you could think about with this is you may come into favor with people in power as well. So you may uh, receive some kind of gift from a powerful person around this period of time. So the daimon that's associated with this decan is called Tolma, T-O-L-M-A. And I had a, some difficulty finding a lot of information about this particular diamond, but it, it roughly translates to boldness or courage in Greek. Uh, and I wrote down a quote to say, to show daring courage necessary for a valid risk. So this kind of theme, a lot of the diamonds in Greek mythology had to do with some kind of human quality. And this quality is like being able to uh, stand up for yourself, take a risk, uh, to be able to courageously venture forward or to bear or endure something as well. So this may be about stepping up, uh, especially if, if others won't. So this may be a, a point in time where you may be able to create harmony by taking responsibility for those in your life uh, where other people are having difficulty. I mean, this is kind of the hallmark of Capricorn is a lot of the times people with very significant Capricorn placements will have a, you know, a calling or be bound to taking on the responsibilities of others. I know uh, my, my particular partner has a, a Capricorn rising in this particular decan, in the third decan of Capricorn, and it's been a constant pattern for her to uh, get involved in, in jobs um, where she's doing the work of three people. So, you know, it may start off like she's in a department and she has certain responsibilities, but through circumstance, she inherits all this responsibility. And, and, and when she moves on from that position, they eventually replace her with three people. And I, I don't think this is an uncommon thing. Uh, my, my daughter also has a Capricorn three son and she's um, found herself in situations like that when she does like group work and stuff with, with her high school uh, friends or whatnot, she ends up taking on a lot of the responsibility. And we could, we could argue that that is, um, you know, whether that is healthy or not. Uh, I think sometimes one of the lessons of, of Capricorn placements is learning what we should take on and what we need to delegate to other people. Um, I've been kind of talking with both of these people about why they feel the need to take on this responsibility, even if it's not theirs. And 
a lot of it is just about having a, a standard and having uh, you know a desire to be able to to do a certain quality of work and maybe not trusting the people around you to be able to uphold that standard. So there is maybe a, a, a fear of of people not being able to carry carry the ball over the goal line for the touchdown, so to speak. So. Uh, so that could be one thing to work on with this area of the zodiac is trust and trusting in the people that you need to work with um, to <clears throat> be able to achieve what you want to achieve. And we'll, we'll see that uh, progressing as we move through Capricorn three into Aquarius one, right? Because we we may you know it may necessitate that we work with others when Venus moves into Aquarius rather than trying to carry you know shoulder the entire load ourselves. Okay, so that's Tolma, the 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 daimon. Uh, just finishing up some of the condition of Venus during this period of time. Excuse me, Venus is co-present with Pluto, so that's that's going to be the kind of the the aspect that we're going to be focusing on this week. But Venus is also making an overcoming trine to Mars and Taurus and Uranus and Taurus, and recently went through a series of of trine aspects that it's separating from. Uh, last week, we had a sextile between Venus and Neptune in Pisces. So we went through some maybe some difficult uh, challenges with Uranus and, and Mars, where we were trying to figure out where to, to put our energy. And then maybe we had a dream that we, we wanted to manifest with the Venus and Neptune contact. And now we're going to be seeing Venus entering uh, kind of an underworld experience. And, um, you know, there's a great book that my astrology teacher has routinely recommended that I bought by, it's a book called The Archetypal Universe by Ren Butler. And some of the themes that he talks about are deep, intense passion, uh, you know, restoration, jealousy, and possessiveness with this, with this area of the Zodiac, uh, with this connection of these two planets, uh, a difficulty healing an emotional wound. Um, this is something that I've come across in reading, uh, Liz Green's book, The Astrology of Fate. So this this is a great book. I'm kind of got a little group that I'm reading this with, and and she talks about Pluto quite a bit. Pluto being a, potentially a wound that is difficult to heal, and um, you know, the story that she brings up is one that I had to do a little bit more research on because I wasn't super familiar with it. But it's very interesting. It's a story of a of a Sumerian goddess named Erishkigal. And Erishkigal was sort of a, you know, a, a precursor to the Greek uh, goddess Persephone and also potentially Hecate. So there, there were these themes of both Erishkigal and Persephone being abducted. Um, Persephone by Hades, Erishkigal by a dragon named Kerr and kind of forcefully taken into the underworld and made to be queen made to be a ruler in that realm. Um, and Ereshkigal had, you know, a lot of uh, pain, a lot of resentment. And, and Liz Green talks a lot about Pluto placements, about kind of all the things that we are pushing underneath the surface that can kind of, uh, you know, there was a story she told about the Lord of the Rings and, and the old man Willow, who was this tree spirit that was, pretty uh pretty dark-sided and kind of he he was able to spread his roots out and choke out everything around him and that's i thought that was a, a very good 
way of thinking about Pluto and how some of the themes of Pluto can manifest like that. We can think about Ereshkigal in this in these terms as well. Like there may be some resentments, some things that we push down underneath the surface that we don't want to deal with psychologically. And those things can fester and that corruption can spread and start choking out things around us. And, and eventually it needs to be dealt with or we're going to create a situation of decay. One of the things that I often talk about with Pluto, um, one of the metaphors I like with it is, is Pluto is like a clogged toilet. Uh, it's, it's, you know, you, you've, if you ignore a, a plumbing problem for too long, let's say you let a, a hairball, you know, you know, kind of keep getting bigger in your drain, eventually that drain is going to back up and you're going to have a big problem that you're going to have to deal with. So whenever we have Pluto contacts, I think it's, it's the process of dealing with whatever we've repressed and pushed down underneath the surface. Now, in, in the Sumerian myth that Liz Green talks about, she talks about this uh, epic poem called Iana's Descent into the Underworld. Now, Inanna, Inanna, excuse me. Inanna was kind of the uh, Sumerian version of Aphrodite or Venus. So she was kind of the queen of heaven. So we had this, this duality of the queen of heaven and the queen of the underworld. So like maybe our conscious selves, maybe the ways that we appreciate beauty and love and all the things that we repress, maybe the things that we don't love about ourselves. And there, this story is, is kind of a, a story of trying to reconcile those two parts of ourselves psychologically. So the story goes is that Inanna, for some reason, wanted to, to visit the underworld, maybe to usurp her sister's uh, power. So they were siblings, Inanna and Ereshkigal. And there were certain rules that you had to follow when you went into the underworld. Um, you, you could not just enter and like, you know, just do your business. You had to pass through these seven gates and at each of the seven gates, Inanna was stripped of something. You know, remember when I was talking about Venus being adorned with uh, jewelry or fine clothing or things of that nature? So at each of these underworld gates, she was stripped of one of those adornments or accoutrements, right? And uh, eventually when she uh, met up with Ereshkigal in Ereshkigal's throne room, um, she was said to be naked and bowed low. And you know, Inanna uh, was judged by Ereshkigal. There was some judgment for whatever she had done. And uh, her punishment was to be put to death and to be hung from a meat hook on the wall for three days and three nights. So <laughs> Ereshkigal is not, a, is not a nice goddess. It is, there is, it's definitely a, a very intense, um, you know, dealing with the darker sides of, uh, of our experiences. Um, but there is an interesting resolution to this story that, that I think will help with our Venus-Pluto conjunction. So one of the uh, stories goes is that uh, before Inanna went into the underworld, she told her uh, some of her god friends or some of her attendants that uh, if I don't come back, you need to send somebody after me. So who was sent after her were these um, beings, these sexless beings that were called the mourners. And the mourners entered into the seven gates, went through the whole process. And when they finally got to Ereshkigal, 
uh, Reshkigal was in the process of giving birth. And uh, in this process, she was had an enormous amount of pain and grief, and she was dealing with this, tr- this transformative type of energy. And instead of doing anything about it, uh, basically these mourners were reflecting uh, Ereshkigal's grief back to her and, you know, basically having empathy for her. And, and by the power of their acceptance and empathy, Ereshkigal was very grateful for, for their uh, presence and said, I will, I will grant you whatever you want. And they were like, well, what we want is for you to give us this corpse that's, that's you know, attached to this hook on the wall so we can have our queen of heaven back into this realm. And Ereshkigal agreed, uh, but also was like, you, you can't have this body back without giving me something else. So there was a, an exchange that happened. And, and apparently, the, I think the ending of the story goes is that Inanna returned to the surface and found out that her husband had not been mourning her properly. Okay, so we have another uh, kind of uh, theme of the mourning. Maybe, maybe he wasn't having empathy for her situation. And I think that she sent him down there to take his, her place. Uh, so it's a, it's, it's a really, it's kind of a parable about being able to come to terms with some of the pain and the grief that we may experience. And through it, we might be cleansed. We might be transformed. We might be reborn. Um, in, in the Greek mythological system, Venus was a purifier. Um, I've often had a kind of thought that Venus may be uh, sort of a primordial um, Pluto. Uh, it may be what some of the significations that we give to Pluto of death and rebirth may also be associated with, with Venus. So then uh, there's arguments on to what Pluto really means and, and, and what planet it may represent. It may be just its own thing. We don't necessarily have to make it a one-to-one correlation with an, an ancient planet. Um, in fact, that might be a mistake. Uh, but yeah, themes of being able to purify, to cleanse. And I think that what Venus's contact with Pluto does is it's, it's lending depth to what we're trying to bring up to the surface. And this may be a cleansing of our power structures with third decan of Capricorn. This may be a cleansing of the way that we feel we are responsible for people in our personal relationships, you know, in our family relationships, in our professional relationships. This could be where we're, we're coming face to face with something that needs to be purified and cleansed because we've allowed corruption to breed. We've, we've allowed the willow tree to spread its roots over a vast amount of territory and eventually it is, it's choking out all the life from everything around it. So I want you to examine this week, what in your life, maybe what system, what responsibilities have you allowed to choke out your ability to create vitality and life that need to be dealt with? And how can you enter the underworld and, be, and allow yourself to willingly be stripped of those adornments Maybe the, the adornments are things like our pride. Maybe the adornments are thinking that we have to maintain these responsibilities to be able to, to be worthy of people's respect. That could be an adornment. That could be the, a false 
narrative that we have in our minds that think that we have to to do these things to 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 get love and i think that what pluto is going to do is strip all of those things bare like a reshkigal and say you know what this is the core essence of who you are and what you are and what you need to just be to be able to receive love and if you can let go of those things there will be some sort of rebirth now there there is something lost along the way right uh and there is maybe something that has to be exchanged um but again it may be something where you're better off for it afterwards but it's through acceptance of that pain now i did an i ching reading for this uh venus and capricorn 3 uh area of time and uh i got the the hexagram number 50 which is called the vessel now if you're not familiar with the i ching the i ching is an oracle where you cast coins and you get uh, a series of six broken or unbroken lines and they create these two uh you know three line kind of arrangements here which we call a hexagram hex means six so here with 50 I'm just drawing this on the screen for you if you're listening along at home uh without the video number 50 was called the vessel and it is changing with three changing lines to number 16 which we can call enthusiasm now the vessel or the cauldron also called cosmic order in some translations talks about cooking something a cauldron is a place of change Whenever we are cooking something we take certain ingredients and we mix them together and we through the the fires of change we are crafting something new we are breaking things down and we are able to make something beautiful from that that creative process and I think this is something that really echoes the Venus Pluto aspect that we're talking about here where we are Pluto is sort of that energy of of I think the fire that is is changing everything in the pot it's it's the force that is heating the pot to create the both the breakdown of the individual elements and the union of all of those elements into something new okay now we do have some changing lines uh in this reading Uh, we have changing line number 2 and they talk about in one of the translations that i have it says standing apart from your fellow man to achieve a significant aim such a stance invites envy but they can't hurt you so let's that's our first line and a lot of the times when we get multiple changing lines we read from the bottom up and it's almost like a narrative okay because we're moving from almost the world of material form down here to more of a divine consciousness at the top of the hexagram so you know we talked about with venus and pluto potentially some jealousy or possessiveness maybe through being gifted in administrative position that invites the envy of others and a lot of the times we just have to kind of power through it and in you know maybe we ask ourselves some questions on as to whether we are up to the task or not um but you know some of that energy is just kind of the rage of of Rashkagal right this is this is something where um a lot of times we just have to be ourselves whether people like it or not 
And not everyone is going to like who you are and what you do. A lot of the times people are afraid to take responsibility because they think that people won't, won't like them or think that they are presumptuous or something of that nature. So I, I do think it's important sometimes uh, when we take responsibility, um, like a good parent, we don't, we don't necessarily have to be best friends with our children when we are being a, a responsible parent. When we take up the mantlehood of leadership as a parent or as anything in our life, um, we are trying to achieve a, some kind of idealistic aim. And that sometimes necessitates tough choices and boundaries and limits. And you're not always going to be popular when you are a leader. And the best leaders are the ones that are staying true to the goal, not trying to just, um, you know, bend with the wind if they get approval or disapproval, if that makes sense. Now, that doesn't mean that you aren't um, in service of the people that you are leading or listen and take their feedback. That, that is important. You can't be autocratic or authoritarian where you're just saying, I'm committed to the ideal and I'm not going to take anybody else's opinion into account. But at, this, at a certain time, though, you have to release attachment to um, approval if you want to be a good leader. I think, that, I think that is an important point to make. So that's the first line where you, you may have to uh, weather someone's disapproval to be able to take the responsibility necessary to create harmony in your life. Um, line number three talks about your unique talents are not being recognized, perhaps through erroneous thinking. Maintain a positive attitude for change. Another interpretation of this line was talking about the, the handles of the vessel or the cauldron were being changed, were being transformed, were being worked on. Um, and so this is something where we, uh, they also talked about the, 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 the fat of a pheasant is not being eaten yet. So it's like we have this... These, this latent potential that we aren't necessarily using yet, but we're going through this pr process of transformation to be able to use this, this very um, powerful ability that we have. And that changes to the last line, line number six. Uh, it talks about a jade handle, being able to carry your gift forward into the world. And that jade handle was crafted through, through many um, hours or years or however many periods of time you want to think about it, through, through being able to continually craft something new and sturdy and strong. So this may be a period of time where, you know, you may be feeling nervous about taking up the mantle of responsibility. You may have to deal with some pushback from others in your community and weather that storm. Uh, recognize that you are in a deep process of, of change and transformation. And then eventually, if you are true to your authentic self, if you have stripped down all of the adornments that really don't matter, okay, like this is a key, like a lot of the stuff that we think is important, especially like as we go through this kind of shift towards a, a, a society that's very, um, very concerned with social media and things of that nature. How many followers do you have? How many likes did you get on this post? Um, things like that. A lot of that stuff just doesn't matter. Uh, what really matters is what is the core of the gift that you want to give to the world? And whether you have 
10 followers on your Instagram or if you have 60,000. What really matters is the intent and the, the information and the creation and your authentic self and what you have to offer. And you may be reaching those 10 people and changing their life. Or you may be talking to 60 or 70,000 people and saying nothing. So this is, a, I think that's really important as we move forward. We can't measure our worth by how many people uh, we have collected. We, we should measure our worth by the quality of our work. And I think that with Venus and Pluto being able to come together, a lot of that other crap is going to be just stripped away so we can get to the core of what do we really have to offer. And, you know, I think that's really going to help us through this period of time is understanding what our gift is that we can offer that is of value. What is really of value that you can offer? So I want you to consider that as we move forward. And that moves us to the hexagram 16, which is enthusiasm. And enthusiasticos is a word in Greek that means to be, you know, of, of a deity, to be filled with God. So once you find your true self, once you know that, that very authentic part of yourself that you have to offer that, you know, maybe only a few people will appreciate, you will, will be in, filled with the enthusiasm necessary to continue on with your work because you know it'll be coming from an authentic place. It will provide nourishment for your soul moving forward. And when you feel properly nourished by your authenticity, you are able to have the energy to do more in the world and to do better work. This is what the cauldron is doing. It's helping to create nourishment. It's a, it's a container for that nourishment and for the process of change, for that transmutation of the soul, right? Of the transmutation of, of our experience into wisdom. All right. Well, I think that's what I have for you today. Um, I hope that you're all doing well out there. I'm going to stop my share here. Uh, hang in there. We got a full moon coming up at the end of the week. I'll have some more videos coming out for you as we go along this week. If you are enjoying these videos, uh, you know, please hit that subscribe button and the share button. I know that, you know, like maybe it'll just be a few people, but it's, uh, you know, I know that I really do appreciate the audience that is a part of um, this podcast and this channel and the interaction that I have with all of you. It is, it is a small but but very wise group, and I it it, it fills me with joy being able to um, be of service to all of you. And uh, yeah, if you want to make a donation to the work that I'm doing, I have a Venmo at Spencer Michaud or a PayPal me uh, link that is in these videos here. That is always very much appreciated. And uh, yeah, just uh, be, be kind to one another. If you are trying to figure out what these um, aspects and these movements and these transits mean for you, feel free to reach out and schedule a reading. I love interacting with all of you and, and helping you to find uh, your own inner wisdom as well. So there's a booking link here too. And uh, I think that's what I've got for you. So be kind to one another. Uh, go into the depths of your soul and into the underworld and let the process change you. Accept the, both parts of yourself, both the darkness and the light. And that will create harmony. That'll create union between those selves. And then we'll have that inner peace that we so desire. So be kind to one another and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.